You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic on Bloomberg Radio. One year ago, and it's hard for me to even get my head around that it's one year ago, that we you know, came to know that George Floyd lost his life um, and at the killing of a, a white Minneapolis policeman. You have had lots of conversations here at Bloomberg with companies, executives. Tell us a little bit about kind of some of the conversations we're having today, one year later. Oh, thanks for having me, Carol. Well, it's all about action now. Mm -hmm. Last year, you know, there was a lot of talk, a lot of pledges, a lot of commitments, and that's a good thing. But I think as we've seen work from home advance by leaps and bounds, people want to see equity and equality advance by leaps and bounds. And I think people are done with the incremental Pro, you know, progress, the right. glacial pace of progress. And, you know, I'll give it to our Gen Z, the Zoomers. They're over it. They want it yesterday, right. not it, tomorrow. Exactly. And safe to say after, you know, when uh, after George Floyd, like we just talked about, we've had so many conversations. Let's see the action. Um, let's bring in our guest because we have a great guest for us. Uh, he's National Urban League President and CEO Mark Morial. He joins us on the phone in New York City, joining myself and our uh, Deputy Bureau Chief Shartia Brantley here in studio with me. You know, Mark, nine minutes, 20 seconds, 27 seconds. That's how long it took for George Floyd to lose his life one year ago. That revelation of that loss of life was seen by the world. So many of us stuck at home at the time because of the pandemic. It ignited rage. It set up protests and a lot of soul searching not seen in a long, long time. The problem's not new. Where are we today? What have we learned? And how much more do we have to go in your view? Well, thank you for having me, and I think we should keep in mind that the courage of Darnella Frazier, a teenage girl who had the presence of mind to pull out her iPhone and tape uh, what was happening to George Floyd, uh, is the reason we are here today. Uh, if, uh, if, But for what she did, this would have been subject to what so many of these police uh, incidents uh, involve, and that is... Uh, fictitious stories, misrepresentations, and lying about what has happened. We see it in the uh, Ronald Green case uh, in Louisiana where the officers said that Ronald Green died uh, from a, quote, automobile accident. Yet, when the tape comes out, it's clear that they beat him uh, to death for no reason. So I want everyone to remember that it was the weight of the, 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 the presence of mind uh, and that we need people and citizens to have the presence of mind to capture incidents of injustice, whether it's police brutality or other types of injustice, uh, by being citizens wa citizen watchdog watchdogs. Having said that, uh, I think that the George Floyd moment is a moment that accelerated uh, this new movement for social justice, for black lives mattering, for civil rights and economic opportunity in this country in a very special way. We're at the beginning of the beginning of, uh, of, of a movement, and it is my, my hope and it's my prayer that this moment of injustice has spurred a movement that will last until the work of the movement is done uh, because of the way in which this movement affected people. Uh, I've done radio interviews today with uh, radio reporters all over the world and newspaper reporters all over the world. The George Floyd incident captured the imagination because of the outrage 
people, not only here in the United States, from all walks of life and backgrounds, but also from people all over the world. Having said that, the test is going to be whether commitments and whether this movement, this protest movement, is going to turn into meaningful action. Uh, One thing that is so critical is the passage of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which right now is a subject subject of sensitive negotiations. But those negotiations uh, are simply because uh, there is recalcitrance in the United States Senate uh, by some to pass a meaningful, substantial police reimagination and reform bill, which is what the George Floyd bill is. Uh, So we are at the beginning of a movement. Uh, I believe that uh, young people have energized, but that all people are participating in. Uh, and, and we have to sustain this movement. Mark, are you confident uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act will be passed by Congress? I'm, re- I'm going to remain optimistic, but I'm realistic. I understand the nature of the opposition. And then what is the nature of the opposition? You have certain elements uh, on the Republican side, certain elements who do not want to look at the bill on its merits who simply want to see it as just another battle in the partisan wars that we're involved in, which suggests, well, we can't give Joe Biden and the Democrats a victory, notwithstanding the fact that the George Floyd bill and its enumerated provisions, whether it's banning chokeholds, whether it's giving people access to the courts in a meaningful way by dialing back qualified immunity, whether it's creating a stronger, if you will, excessive use of force criminal statute, uh, and, and I could continue to talk about provisions. Those provisions are supported by the American people. Poll after poll demonstrates that, and notwithstanding that, this bill now passed by the Congress of the United States, the House of Representatives twice, this bill now, with the full support of the President and the Vice President, is still subject to difficult negotiations because of this antiquated, old-school rule called the Senate filibuster. Speaking of the corporate community, uh, Mark, Are you disappointed in them for not taking a firmer stance? There's a lot of, I feel like, doctrines put out, a lot of words said, but do you feel like the corporate community has really stood up uh, and really come out like they should have um, after George Floyd? So the corporate community is not a monolith. It's not a unified group. Uh, There are many who uh, spoke out forcefully, who made meaningful and substantial commitments. There's some which put out perfunctory statements, and there's some that have done nothing. Uh, I believe that those that have, and uh, I would point to uh, the actions of the Business Roundtable as being you know, fairly significant to the extent that these commitments are lived up to and followed through on, it's going to take three to five years to make those kinds of determinations. Uh, But uh, let's look at the corporate community and not look at it as a monolith, because I don't think it is a monolith. And I think there's a great deal of uh, conviction and sincerity among many. But uh, the the question is always whether it's a moment of response or whether it's a complete shift. I can tell you that many of the discussions I've had, even in this week, have been about uh, how to increase pipelines and talent coming in from the black community, how to create uh, a corporate atmosphere which is uh, fairer and more equitable and free of racism. Those discussions, and I, and I sense in many of those discussions, a degree of sincerity, a degree of commitment 
but the pressure, the movement in the community, uh, the uh, the conversation that is taking place, the attention of people like you in the media has to continue. Don't let this die. Right. Don't let this go away. Well, Mark, you mentioned, you know, taking three to five years for a lot of these uh, long-term strategies to be implemented, but now is the time. So how do we balance this sense of urgency for change today with long-term strategies and implementation of plans and succession planning and pipeline planning? How do we balance that? And Mark, just got about 30, 40 seconds, and then we'll come back and talk some more. So I think importantly pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. I'd like to see some business leaders step up and publicly say, this is what we need at this point in time to truly meet this moment. Number two, step up and push back against this this scourge of voter suppression Mm -hmm. and anti-democracy bills that are being introduced and passed in some states. There are specific things that are not partisan, but go to the issues of democracy, go to the issues of social justice, where I think business leaders, by putting their thumb on the scale, can make a significant difference. One thing we wanted to ask you, Mark, do we in some odd way need to say thank you to President Donald Trump for moving or advancing the conversation around racism? Uh, Donald Trump owes is owed no thank you. Donald Trump... Uh, was a uh, counter force, a negative force, when it comes to the issue of race relations and racial conversations and understanding. Because in every instance, when he had an opportunity to bring people together, he divided people. And uh, that type of leadership uh, in the presidency is not what we've historically had, whether it was a Kennedy or a Johnson uh, or even a, a George W. Bush who helped uh, to get us uh, to help to pass an extension of the Voting Rights Act. Uh, but I'm being Donald a little Trump provocative not- here. I'm going to jump in for a second because I'm being a little provocative here. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, Shorty and I have been talking, and I know I've had conversations with others that there are more people talking about the inequities in our society than I've ever seen before. So and true. I think to some extent, was whether it was. Some saw the president as a polarizing, you know, figure. And so I just, it just feels like it was a different tone, different conversation than I've certainly seen in, in my lifetime. Yes, I mean, to you hear. But you don't, but you don't, let me say this, you don't thank someone for dividing the nation. Maybe All right, fair enough. Acknowledge, Maybe a bad acknowledge word. that his leadership, that his leadership exposed uh, and animated uh, racial division in this country, but... Uh, whether it was Charlottesville, which uh, which indeed took place, uh, or the condemnation of African American athletes who chose to exercise their First Amendment rights, uh, or the condemnation of John Lewis uh, and the mocking of him, mm-hmm. uh, a revered civil rights leader, Donald Trump was outside, far outside of the mainstream in the conduct of uh, presidents of the United States. Uh, what is clear, though, and this is what's clear, clear about the George Floyd moment, this movement began with Trayvon Martin way back in 2012. Uh, and the, 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 cumulate, the, accumul- the cumulative impact of Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown and Tamir Rice and Sandra Bland uh, and Eric Garner, this, this, this 
long, long list of black people killed by the police, and in none of the cases, with I believe one exception that may have been the Walter Scott case, was their conviction or officers held accountable. See, it's important for people to understand it's the act, but it's the lack of accountability uh, that creates the outrage that the system, which is designed to hold people accountable when they take a life, when they take a life in an unjustified fashion, has not worked when it can't, comes to police officers. That creates the outrage. Right. That creates right. the, the sense that in this great nation, uh, this criminal justice system doesn't work fairly. It works sometimes. Mm -hmm. It works for some. Uh, and many argue that it does exactly what it's designed to do. So, look, there's no question that the four years of Donald Trump have elevated the conversation around race uh, in the nation. But it was Donald Trump's reaction to things that occurred, incidents that happened, uh, actions that people took uh, that divided the nation. Uh, and I believe that it is the responsibility of the president, presidency uh, to, uh, to have a pathway to try to bring people together around racial justice and racial reconciliation, which is not, as many people want to see it, it's just a partisan issue. See, that's the point. I, it, these issues are issues that go to American values. They go to what this country's about. They right. go to the Constitution. And whether some people see them through a partisan lens, that is a fundamental problem. So, Mark, how do we bring people together? You released the Gumbo Coalition on May 2020. So the nation still feels so divided one year post uh, George Floyd's killing. How do we bring everyone together? And, Mark, forgive me, just got about 25, 30 seconds. Yeah, just really. Look, it, it starts with dialogue and it, it starts with an understanding and it starts with the truth. Uh, you've got to be able to have a foundation of this is the truth. Now, we can have different uh, interpretations. We can have different opinions about how to move forward. But, uh, you know, bringing people together requires two things, a commitment to the truth mm -hmm. and also a fundamental consensus about the goal. Then the debate is about how to get there. Right. And that's right. where and that's find consensus. If you don't have an agreement on the fundamental truth and you don't have a consensus of direction, right. It's very difficult to bring people together. Mark, I know we will continue this conversation. Mark Morial, President and CEO at the National Urban League. Thank you so much. And Chartia Brantley, our New York Deputy Bureau Chief of Bloomberg News, also with us.